Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we give you thanks for the privilege of being in your house. We thank you for being chosen as part of your people. We rejoice, Lord, that this is the day that you have made, that you had mercy on us. You saved us, you made us part of your people, and you speak to us. We pray right now, Lord, that you would take this day, this message, this time that we separated to be with you, and that you would use this time, use this message, use me, Lord, to speak your word. I pray you prepare the hearts that your Holy Spirit would guide us to all truth today, Lord that we would know what's on your heart and what is your desire. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, I'm just going to start with John chapter 16, verses thir- starting on verse 13. This is just an intro. This is not the word, but this is to encourage you and to kind of set, set the, the tone. John 16, 13. It says, when he, the spirit of truth, has come. So there is, there is a spirit of truth. And when the spirit of truth comes, the Bible says, he will guide you to all truth. God wants to guide you to the truth. He doesn't want you to depend on somebody else. He doesn't want you to expect the pastor to figure things out and tell you what to do. He doesn't want you to depend on anything else or anyone else God wants to bring you the spirit of truth and God wants to guide you to all truth it says he the spirit of truth will not speak on his own authority whatever he hears he will speak and I have another translation I think that says he will disclose to you those things disclose Here it says, in this this translation, it says tell. When you hear disclose, that implies that there's some information that is not known to everybody. When something is disclosed to you, you're brought in on some intimate knowledge. The Spirit of God wants to be intimate with you. And that's the message for today. And I thank God that he used Maggie to confirm to me this morning Because he put the same thing on her heart. God wants you to know him. The spirit of God wants you to be intimate with him. He wants to reveal to you what's on his heart. When Maggie said this morning, you need to spend time in order to know people. You don't tell your secrets to just anybody. You don't tell people what you're struggling with. You don't tell people what's in your heart to just anyone. You tell the people that are close to you. The people that have spent time getting to know you and the people that you've spent time getting to know. That's what God wants for us. God wants us to be in his inner circle. He doesn't just want the missionary or the the author of the devotional that you read. A lot of us, if you're a Christian, if you've been a Christian for a while, you, you, you... you know what a devotional is. You might, have, you might own a devotional. You might have devotion times. That's Christianese for intimate time with the Lord. 
is your tie, your devotion with the Lord. And a lot of times we read these devotionals that people write and we say, man, that guy was close to God. That guy really knew God. And we're using what they wrote to inspire us to get close to God. The Bible says God wants you to know him like that. I'm not saying it's bad to use devotionals. I'm telling you those devotionals are pointing you to God who wants you to know him like that. And so that's just a kind of a preview of what we're going to talk about today. This message in my heart began when uh, Pastor Kenny was here a couple of weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago when he was sharing on Philippians 4, 6, and 7. We can put it up. And Pastor Kenny was sharing on, it was, the message was titled something like the cure for anxiety or something, do not worry. Thank you, it was do not worry. And, and Pastor Kenny shared, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. And so, so let's, just, let's just give some advertisement to that. Be anxious, by the way, the Bible says be anxious for nothing. So if you want to know God, one thing about God is he doesn't want you to be anxious about anything. God doesn't, you're probably worrying about something. You may have been worrying about something this week. We tend, how do I know that? Because we all tend to worry. That's our nature. But as we get to know God, as the, as the spirit of truth brings us and reveals to us God's heart, God doesn't want us to be anxious. We see this in scripture time and time again. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you'll drink. Be anxious for nothing. But in, by, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and supplication, make your, uh, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. The next verse. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. Where do you worry? You worry in your heart. You feel it. And your, mi your mind races, right? Your mi at least my mind races. And then my heart gets weighed down. The Bible says, if we make our petitions made known to God, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our heart and mind. That's not the message. I'm just reminding you what Pastor Kenny shared two weeks ago. But the first thing that we know about God, that we learn about God today, is that he doesn't want you to worry or be anxious about anything. But let's go back to verse 6, because this is where it all started for me. Philippians 4, 6. This is where this message was kind of birthed. As Pastor Kenny was sharing, be anxious for nothing. You know what stood out to me? It said, but in everything by prayer. It said in everything. And that brought to mind other Bible verses. Because it says, prayer, pray in everything. Pray for everything. And so that brought to, me, to mind other verses on prayer. Such as one that says, 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Oh, I like that. The less, 
So the way this uh, the program works, the fewer letters or the fewer words, the bigger it becomes on the screen. So I like this because the whole verse just says, rejoice always. So as we talk about praying, part of prayer, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Bible says to rejoice always. So as we pray, there should be a spirit of joy in our heart. But let's go to verse 17. This is what I wanted to, to, to call out. It says, pray without ceasing. Show of hands. How many of you have heard this verse before? Pray without ceasing. Almost all of us have heard this verse. Now, now let's see who's honest. How many of you does this verse, has this verse frustrated before? See, nobody's honest. It's got to be somebody in here. What is that? How do I do that? Watch this. I'm going to give you a better one. Verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. Now let's go to Matthew 6, verse 7. I'm going throw you a curveball here. The previous verse said, pray without ceasing. This verse says, when you pray, don't pray with vain repetition. Wait a minute. Pray without ceasing. In everything pray, but don't pray with vain repetition. How then... Am I supposed to pray? How can I pray without ceasing and not get into vain repetition? Here's, here's where I'm going with this. Number one, we just read that God wants us to pray for everything. Another way to say that is God wants us to live a life of prayer. Let's say it again. God is calling you to live a life of prayer. Now, prayer is not vain repetition. We haven't defined what prayer is, but we've defined that it's not vain repetition. God is calling us to intimacy with him. God is calling us to a life of intimacy with him. How? Oh, I think there's another verse. Let's go to verse 8. Therefore, do not be like them. Those, don't be like those that use vain repetition. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. You guys say amen, but that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm going to be honest with you. I remember being a really young Christian. And even later in my Christian years. Lord. Why do you say to live a life of prayer? And then you say, pray without ceasing. Don't repeat yourself because he already knows what you need. So why am I praying? It says, pray, but don't repeat yourself because he already knows what you need. This, that used to, in my life, that used to create, I was like, Lord, how am I supposed to, how does this work? I wish, you know, it was really cool growing up with men of God in church. I could watch their life and I could learn how to be a Christian. But there's one place where that didn't happen. When I was alone praying, I don't know how, how do you know how someone else prays alone? They're alone when they do it. So how do you know how someone else prays alone? And I used to have this struggle. And I hope, 
I hope and I think, I would imagine, that you've been in a similar situation where I've been in my room and said, Lord, I don't, teach me to pray. I don't know what to pray about. I prayed our Father. I prayed. I tried all the different ways and angles to focus on the principles in the Our Father. I think about the prayers and I meditate on the prayers of all the, 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 the saints, you know, the different examples of prayers in the Bible. But Lord, I don't know how to do this whole live a life uh, of praying without ceasing. And, and, and as I would try to do the right thing, try to understand what I'm supposed to do, this verse would come to mind and I would say, what's the point of praying if he already knows what I need? And I don't know if this is the full answer, but I think this is part of it. You don't pray be, to tell God what you need. You pray to tell God that you need him. You're not praying to tell God because he didn't know the situation you're going through. You pray because you're putting God, you're letting God know you need him in that situation. He knows what you need, but sometimes we forget that we need him. He knows what you need, but sometimes we don't come to him because we're trying to figure things out on ourselves. So he asks us, or he instructs us to pray to him, I think, he doesn't say why, but I think it's so that I acknowledge that I need him. So that I acknowledge that I depend on him in that situation. And then if it says pray without ceasing, if it says pray in everything, in every situation. As you pray, if you're not going to use vain repetitions, one of the things you could do that Pastor Kenny said rightly is pray to him about whatever's making you anxious. If something's making you anxious, bring it before the Lord. The Bible says rejoice always, which is a little parenthesis. There should be joy in our heart all the time. And if that's not there, guess what you can pray? Lord, give me your joy. David, used, David, the guy who wrote the Psalms, had to pray, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. David didn't say, I'm going to restore. Didn't, David didn't say, I'm going to just feel better. I'm going to make myself feel better. He said, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. If you got saved, that came with incredible joy. And a lot of times in life, we go through things that suck us dry. We go through things that separate us from that joy. The Bible says to rejoice always, to rejoice in our relationship with him. And if you're not there, pray about that. And when I say pray, it's not vain repetition. It's, Lord, I acknowledge that I'm not where I need to be. And Lord, I further acknowledge I need you. And I'm speaking like this with the whole further. I don't pray like that with God. Sometimes I do just, and then I laugh at myself. I'm sure he's laughing at me. 
But most of the time, 99% of the time, I don't pray like that. Sometimes when I'm reasoning my prayer out, like I'm trying to make a prayer that makes sense, I will speak to God that way. And I'll say therefore and further. But um, it's really just me trying to make a, sen- a prayer that makes sense to God. I'm trying to order my thoughts. But we just tell God, Lord, I know you're calling me to a life of intimacy with you. And I'm not there. But I want that. Lord, I've tried it before. And, 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 I, and, I, and I'm not there. But pick me up, Lord. The Bible says the righteous will fall seven times and seven times he'll get back up. Amen. So get back up. Get back up and tell God, God, help me. Help me. Teach me to live this life of intimacy with you, of oneness with you. Maggie was talking about she, she can hear someone, and if she knows them, she recognizes their voice. And I was thinking about, you know, my wife and my kids. They obviously know me the best. And, um, you know, my kids, if they tell me something, they can answer their own question. If they tell me something, they'll tell me something, and they'll say, I know, I know, Dad. And they'll respond with, because they know me. They know when I'm in a good mood. They know when I'm in a bad mood. They know when mama's in a bad mood. <laughs> Don't, dad, mom's in a bad mood today. She's in a bad mood right now. They know you. That's how God wants you to know him. God wants you to know how he thinks. God wants you to know what he likes. God wants you to know what's on his heart. We're not going to go there, but there's a verse where Jesus says, I don't call you, I no longer call you slaves, but I call you friends. Because a slave doesn't know what his master's doing. God wants to, what does that mean? He wants, God wants to confide in you. God wants you to get close enough to him that he can confide in you. Not because you're holy, but because you've developed a relationship with him. And developing a relationship takes time. Let's go to G, uh, Jesus. Let's go to John chapter 15, verse 1. John 15, verse 1. Jesus is, in a, in a sense here, it's not... It's not called a parable, but he's giving us, he's using kind of a metaphor for us to understand our relationship with him. And it says, Jesus says, I'm the vine. Jesus is the vine. You, uh, my father's the vine dresser. Verse 2. Verse 2. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Let's stay there. So, so far, and I know most of you know this, but let's just, don't get ahead of me. I know most of you know this verse. So far, it's talk, it hasn't mentioned us. It says, there's a vine, there's a vine dresser, and there's fruit. And it says, he's the vine, his father's the vine dresser, and every branch, oh, there's branches, and every branch that doesn't bear fruit, 
um, actually in this verse it says, every branch that prunes, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3. Hmm, I must have read that wrong. Let's go back to 2 so I can read it properly. Every branch that in me does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Verse 4. Then it says, and this is what God wants. This is why God tells us to pray. When I was a Christian, they used to tell me, Pastor and his, and his parents used to tell me, watch three areas in your life. Pastor and his parents used to say, watch these three areas in your life. Your prayer, your time in the word, and your fellowship with believers. He says, if those three things are healthy, you're going to grow spiritually and you're going to be healthy with God. Your prayer, your, word, your reading of the word, and your fellowship with believers. And I, and I was like, okay. And I did it, and it, man, it worked. And I tell you today the same thing. What is God after? What is God's objective with having you pray? What is God's objective with having you read his word? What is God's objective with fellowship? That you would abide in him. That you would be close to him. All of those things are bringing you, they're ushering you, to be closer to God so that you would abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. God wants you to bear fruit, but we can't do anything. Sometimes we don't abide because we're busy. If you are too busy to abide, you're busier than Jesus. Say it again. If how busy is too busy, if you're too busy to abide, you're busier than Jesus, and you're too busy. It says, abide in me and I in you, because apart from me, you can do nothing. What are we trying to accomplish with all our busyness if we're unable to abide in him. The Bible says we're not going to do anything anyways. Verse 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I had to Google what uh, fruits grow on vines. Because I didn't know of any other than grapes. I know grapes grow on vines, but I didn't know of any others. Apparently, there's some berries, passion fruit, kiwi. There's a, there's a few, several fruits that grow on vines. I can't relate to vines because I don't remember if I've ever seen a vine with fruit on it. Maybe I have, but I don't remember it. You know what I relate to? I have a mango tree in my backyard. That's what we have in Miami, right? We have mango trees, avocado trees, plantain trees, banana trees, whatever. My my. My mother-in-law planted a, uh, a lemon tree in my backyard. It's yet to see one lemon. <laughs> we think uh, it's not good. The soil is not uh, great, I guess, where, where it was planted. Wait five years? Okay, it's 2013. How long has it been? 
About five. So this year we're going to get some lemons. <laughs> Make some lemonade. So I have mango trees. I have a ton of trees in my house. I have too many trees. I just got rid of some. Most of them are palm trees. But as soon, so you got thousands of mangoes. Thousands. I mean, I'm exaggerating, right? But you got a ton of mangoes on the tree, and then somebody comes, cuts the branch. That's the last fruit that that branch is going to give. And you're the branch. God is calling you to be super fruitful. But the minute you get disconnected, you're not going to give one fruit. You're not going to, apart, disconnected from him, apart from God, you can do nothing. God is calling us to be connected to him. God is calling us to intimacy with him. And if we're intimate with him, we'll be able to bear fruit on this earth. We'll be able to do what God has called us to do. We'll be able to do God's will on this earth if we're intimate with him. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a withered branch, and they gather him and throw him into the fire, and they're burned. We have to abide. Our survival depends on staying connected to God. Our life depends on our intimacy with God. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you, will, ask what you desire and it shall be done to you. Verse 8. By this my Father is glorified. You are, why? One of the reasons that God wants us to abide in him is that we might bear fruit. The reason he wants us to bear fruit is that he will be glorified. Why does he want to be glorified? As he's lifted up, people are drawn to him. As he's lifted up, more people know about him. More people can have the intimate relationship that you have with him. As your life bears fruit, people eat of that fruit and say, I want that in my life. God, because ultimately God has come to seek and save lost man. You and I were lost and God came to our life. We saw what God was doing in someone else's life. We heard about it. And we said, I hope that works for me. I hope God comes into my life. I, I need that. I need God. And then God showed up. And that's why we're here. Sunday after Sunday, Monday after Monday, Wednesday after Wednesday, Thursday after Thursday. That's why we're here. We're here because God showed up for us. God wants to show up for other people. And he wants to do that by glorifying himself in your life. So that's one of the reasons that God is calling us to intimacy with him. Verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. You know what abide is? To remain. To live in. This is the relationship that a wife and a husband are supposed to have. This is a relationship a father and a son and a father and a daughter and a 
of parents to their children are supposed to have, where they're one. They remain close to each other. They know each other's, they know each other's pain. They know each other's burdens. They know, they know each other's joy. They know what makes them happy. They know what sets them off. You know what sets me off, right, honey? My daughter's looking at me because she knows. She knows me, and I, you know, and I know her. That's how God wants to be with us. That we would know him and he would know us. And that in our knowing him, he's going to have us do stuff that's going to glorify him. That's going to bring him joy. Verse 10. How do we have this communion with him? It says, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commandments and I abide in his love. One of the things, as you, as you aspire, as you work on this life of prayer. One of the things, as you aspire this life of prayer, this pray without ceasing. One of the things we do is we meditate on God's word. Lord, what does your word say about this situation? In every situation that you're in, you meditate on God's word. What does God say about this? What does God's word say about today? What does God's word say about how I feel? Often, not often enough, but often I'll be in a difficult situation and I, I, I ask myself. It's going to sound super cliche, but I ask myself. How would Jesus handle this? What, what would he, well, you know, it's amazing. I'll have, op, I'll have plan A, plan B, and plan C. And then I'll stop and I'll say, how would Jesus address this? And I get a totally different answer. And God is calling us in every situation, not as a, not a 30-minute prayer during your devotion. Not a two-hour prayer during your devotion. The Bible says they think they're going to be heard by their many words. The Bible says don't do that. It says, and we're going to read it. We're going to read later where it says, God's seeking those that worship him in spirit and in truth. God wants you to be real with him. You don't have to check a box. God doesn't want you to check a box. God wants you to be real with him. God wants you to, one of the ways to do that, you know what's a struggle is um, we're so busy and we have so many things we're doing and we feel like there's a switch where I'm praying and then I got to go to work and then I got to go to my volleyball practice and then I have to clean up the room and you have all these things you need to do. In my case, I've got, I've got a business, I'm employed. So, so I'm an employee of a company. I'm trying to build a business on the side so that I don't have to be an employee of a company. Okay? I've got four girls. I have a wife, associate pastor at the church. Get all these balls that if it can feel like you're juggling so many things. And I give you my example. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. You, can, you know what you're juggling. And it's difficult with all those balls in the air. You feel like, 
How do I make time for God? The Bible says, do everything for God. When you're, there's this book called The Practice of the Presence of God. You guys should get it. The Practice of the Presence of God. And it's written by a guy named Brother Lawrence. He lived in like, I think it was the 1600s. Okay? And he was a, I don't even know, he might have been Catholic. I don't even remember. I know some of you are going to stone me for this. I don't know if he was Catholic or not. Okay? But the guy lived as a monk. And it's, it's, it's super interesting because the guy goes to live as a monk so he could dedicate himself to God. And you know what ends up happening when he separates himself from everybody and goes to live as a monk to separate himself to live for God? They put him to do the dishes. No joke. And his prayer time had to be while he did the dishes. His prayer time had to be in the kitchen. And he said, I didn't want to have an hour of devotion with God and then have to separate myself from God all day to be in the kitchen. He said, so I resolved. And it's cool because you read the book, you hear how he did it. And he said, wait a minute, this is just, he's just doing what the Bible says. It's kind of like, what is a man, right? What is a man is a really cool book that Pastor Joaquin has written about being a man. And you read it, and, it, and it, oh, this is great. And there's 150 pages and 170 Bible verses. Wait a minute, this is just what the Bible says. You know, pastor condensed it. You know, he, 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 he picked up on the topics that are specific or the verses specific to this topic. But it's what the Bible says. And Brother Lawrence, it was the same thing. He said he aspired to do everything for the love of God. And when he said everything, he was talking about doing dishes. And then later when he couldn't do dish duty anymore because he got an ulcer in his foot, eventually they put him to do shoe repair. I guess he could sit down. So he was, he was a shoe. <laughs> Check this out. He left to be a monk so he could dedicate himself to God. But guess what? Monks have to eat. And monks need shoes. So the idea of a life of prayer, we think it's going to be a monk somewhere. A life of continual prayer, we think that's only for hermits. No. Even the guy who tried to go be a hermit ended up having to do dishes, ended up having to as to dishes basically for a living, ended up having to fix shoes, ended up having to, what was the other thing he did? They would send him on business because they're in this monastery in the middle of the woods and they might need to buy something. So I had to send, they sent him to Burgundy, which is someplace in, in, um, in uh, France. To go do business. And he's like, I hate business. I don't know anything about business. He was stumbling all over the place because his foot was bad. Here's the point. A life of prayer is not, to live a life of prayer and intimacy with God does not mean you divorce yourself from your daily life. Even the people that do that end up having to do the things of daily life because you can't get away from needing food, needing clothing, the daily necessities. God didn't create us to have a life of prayer independent of our daily routine. God designed us, and God is calling you to have a life of prayer when you're doing your dishes. God is calling you to have a life of prayer when you're doing business. This man was doing business on behalf of the monastery, picking up you know, buying things they needed to buy, selling things they needed to sell to get money to buy stuff. He was doing business. He was doing dishes. He was fixing shoes. 
And in that activity, he developed a continual intimacy with God. Not in spite of that activity, in the midst of that activity. He said one of the greatest mistakes is people make a distinction between their time of devotion, which meant their time of prayer in their closet. They make a separation between their time of devotion in their closet and the rest of their life. God is not calling you to be, when I say a life of prayer, I don't mean an hour in the closet. I don't mean three hours in the closet. I mean in the kitchen, in the business place, at sports practice. Lord, help me hit this pitch. Lord, help me play as good as I can. Help me run as fast as I can <clears throat> so that I can glorify you. So that if I hit it, and if somebody admires me, and if somebody wants to associate themselves with me because what they see in my life, I can direct them to you. Help me, Lord, do this business deal. Help me win this deal to benefit my family, to benefit the church. Help me, Lord, get this contact because I can reach, I can reach him for the Lord. Help me establish this business relationship because now I'm going to talk to this guy every day. Or I'm going to talk to this guy weekly. I'm going to have access to sit with him at lunch. He's going to come for business. But he's going to see something different in my life because the Bible says we're the salt of the earth. So you say, Lord, I got I to gotta go to work. Use me at work. The Bible says do everything you do as unto the Lord. Everything you do, do it for the Lord. To glorify him and to show him you love him. So, so, number one, Lord, I'm doing this out of love for you. If you're not doing it out of love for God, you're doing it for the wrong motivation. You should be able, God calls us to live for him. It says, present yourself as a living sacrifice which is your reasonable act of worship, your entire life. Not an hour a day, not three hours on Sunday. Your life is an intimate act of worship to God. Amen. That's where God is calling us to. If you're not there, <clears throat> or let's say it differently, we're not there. But that's what God is calling us to. The Bible says to be not merely a hearer of the word. James 1.22. It says, but be doers. My translation says, but prove yourselves. Show yourselves to be doers of the word. And not hearers, because hearers are deceiving themselves. So God is calling us to this life of intimacy with him. We need to decide today, Lord, sign me up. I, I, 
you know, we have about 10 minutes before the next service starts. I'm going to ask if the musicians are here. I'm going to ask them to come forward. Hopefully we can get some. Because the last few minutes, I want you to spend with the Lord. Um, my tendency is to run, run the time all the way down. But I want you to respond to the Lord. I, I, I want to give you the opportunity that if you desire to start walking in that direction of intimacy with God, if the Spirit of God put, led you to understand that this is his will for your life. We're going to ask the musicians to come up, and we'll just, uh, and I'm going to ask you to stand. And as we sing this last song, ask the Lord that something will be different. Ask the Lord that, that to help you. So, Lord, I don't know what's holding me back, or maybe you do know what's holding If you know what's holding you back, give it to the Lord. Go ahead and... If you know what's holding you back, pray and give it to the Lord. And if you don't know, say, Lord, I want a life of intimacy with you. I want to know you more. Tell God you want to be close to him. Tell God what's holding you back. But draw near to God today. Give one last verse. Give one last verse, and then and then I want I want you to pray as we sing. John five thirty nine. John th five thirty nine says, "You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life." But it's these that testify of me. Verse 40. But you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. We search the scriptures seeking something. But Jesus says, scriptures testify of me. Come to me this morning. As we sing, come to God.
can't think of a better song. I think the, the Spirit of God led the, the devotional this morning and the time of devotion and the Word of God. The goodness of God is running after you. The goodness of God is after you. And He's calling you to draw near to Him. So, pray with me. Let's pray to God to help us to have a life of intimacy with Him. Let's pray to God to teach us how to live a life completely devoted to Him. Pray with me. Father, we give you thanks this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your goodness it has reached us, that your goodness is reaching out to us. I pray that your love would melt the hearts of I pray your love would cause all other things to vanish into the background. I pray that you would be lifted up in my life. Lord, I want to be close to you. I want to respond to your call to live a life of intimacy with you. Lord, I accept your invitation and I come running. Help me, Lord. Help me when I get busy. Help me when I get frustrated. Help me when I get confused. Lord, help me when I lose my way. Restore me. Restore the joy of my salvation. And restore me when I fall away. That, that, if I, that if I fall away, Lord, that it not be for long. But that I get back up and I run to you. That I might know you. And you might abide in me and I in you. And that I would bear fruit that glorifies your name. I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Greet each other in the love of the Lord. and greet the uh, next service that's on their way in. God bless you.